Well, good morning again, everyone. It's lovely to add my welcome to you. My name's Lindsay. In case you don't know me, I'm not usually at this service. You're the early risers. I'm not so good in the mornings, which is why I'm not always here. But it is really nice to be here this morning and see all of you. And um, today is Pentecost Sunday. Hopefully you knew that, did you? Hands up if you knew today was Pentecost Sunday. Yes, because you've all been fasting and praying for today, haven't you? I know you have. It was at Pentecost, you know, that the Spirit came for the very first time. And he filled the room where the disciples were meeting together. This was just after Jesus had departed and gone into heaven. And Jesus had already told them in Acts 1, this is what he'd said. He'd said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What must they have thought about that, I wonder? And then in in Acts chapter 2, this is what happened. It says this, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You remember that reading? You remember reading about that? I'm sure you've read it often. And you know, it was from that moment on that the church was birthed, the church as we know it now, the early church set forth and began to grow the kingdom. And it must have been quite a thing being in that room, I imagine, for the disciples. And you know, that was the fulfillment of the prophecy that Joel had given so many, many, many years earlier. He had prophesied that one day God would pour out his spirit on all people, and their sons and daughters would prophesy. Their old men would dream dreams, and their young men would see visions. That's what Joel had prophesied all those years earlier. And then in that room, the Holy Spirit came. He did exactly what the prophecy had said. And later on today, this morning, we're going to pray that God will pour out his Spirit on us. And I believe he will. Let's be expectant that he will. Because when we ask him to, he always comes. And as as I reminded you, we've been praying and fasting, particularly on Thursday for this. But our reading this morning takes us back to when Jesus was still on the earth. And he was preparing his disciples for a time when he would depart and the Holy Spirit would come. And he's teaching them about who the Holy Spirit is and what they can expect when he comes. So I'm going to ask Julia to come and bring us our reading. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 5 to 16. The words of Jesus. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief, but I tell you the truth, It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. 
I have much more to say to you, more now than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. Thank you, Julia. So here's Jesus, and he's got some fairly difficult stuff to say to the disciples. He's kind of having to warn them, and he says he's talking to them about it now, so that when the time comes, they'll remember what he said to them. It's a little bit like when my children were small. I remember if we were going to a wedding or some kind of important event, I would gather them all around and I'd say, now when we get there, this is what's going to happen. And there'll probably be a moment, you know, during the talk, you'll need to be quite quiet and calm. And, and that was all kind of in the hope that once we got there, when that moment came, they would all know that they needed to be quiet and calm. That was the theory. It didn't always work out, as you can well imagine. So that's what he's doing. He's kind of talking to them about it ahead of time. And in verses 5 to 8, he's explaining to the disciples that this time is going to come when he won't be with them anymore, but that the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will come in his place. And actually, he can see that they're, they're not really liking this idea. I imagine it was probably written all over their faces. But he tries to reassure them that his going away is going to actually be a good thing. Because if he didn't go, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't be able to come in his place. And then having said that, having kind of prepared the way for them, he goes on and he explains the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will do when he actually comes. And this actually isn't the first time that Jesus has talked about the Spirit's work. Two chapters earlier, in chapter 14 and verses 15 to 17, he had already promised that the Holy Spirit would come to those who believe. He would come to those who believe. Then he wouldn't be accepted by the rest of the world because they didn't yet know him. But he would come to those who believe. And then in the same chapter, 14, verse 26, he says this, The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In other words, what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll bring clarity for you. He'll remind you of my teaching and he'll make it clear. I remember um, years ago, my dad used to come and stay with us. Often he would come down to London for a meeting and what he loved to do was to do the, the children's Bible reading with them. And sometimes I could listen at the door and I could hear him saying to them, right, we're going to pray a prayer now that it, that's in the Bible. And this is how it goes. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things <clears throat> out of thy law. And basically what that prayer was, was, Lord, would you come now by your spirit and open my eyes so that I can see amazing things in the Bible? I think the children didn't know what on earth he was talking about because he had this terrible, old, not terrible, 
not terrible. He had this antiquated language, which he, he loved. He loved that version of the Bible. But you know, that's what the Spirit will do, says Jesus. He'll bring clarity. He'll remind you, and he'll show you what's in my word. And then in chapter 15, he goes on, and he says that, that what the Spirit will do when he comes is that he'll help them testify about him to other people. He'll help them to tell others about their faith in him. And I don't know about you, but I've had that experience where I've maybe been with somebody who wasn't a Christian, and I haven't quite known what to say, and I've felt like the Spirit has just come quite unexpectedly, and giving me words that I didn't know I had. Have you had that experience ever where you feel like the Spirit's just been with you and enabled you to speak? Well, that's what Jesus was saying. That's what the Spirit will do when he comes. He'll enable you to tell others about your faith. And then here in today's reading from verse 8 onwards, he talks of another aspect of the Spirit's work. This is what he says from verse 8. When he comes, he'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Spirit will convict the world, he says, of its need to turn and follow Jesus, because in many ways the world is on the wrong track. The world is guilty in lots of ways. It's got kind of wrong thinking. And when the Spirit comes, he'll convict the world. So what's he going to convict the world of? Well, it says in verse 9 of their sin, because they refuse to believe in Jesus. He'll convict them at verse 10 of their wrong thinking in relation to righteousness. It's Jesus who's righteous. He says, it's me who's righteous, not the world. And once I've gone, that righteousness won't be there for all to see. So the Spirit will come and he'll convict people about what righteousness is. And I don't know about you, but I have that sense by the Spirit sometimes. I feel like God shows me by his Spirit what's right and what isn't right. That's what Jesus is talking about that the Spirit will come and he'll convict people in terms of righteousness. And then thirdly, the Spirit's going to come and convict the world of their wrong thinking in relation to judgment. You know, the world may have thought at the time that it was Jesus who was being judged, that he needed judging, he needed getting rid of. But actually, no, it wasn't Jesus who needed judging. It was the enemy, it was sin that needed trampling underfoot. And those who are under his grip. And that, he says, is what will be dealt with by the cross. So the Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of all its wrong thinking and and those places where the enemy has led them astray. That's the first thing, conviction. And then in verses 12 to 15, Jesus goes on and he talks of another aspect of the Spirit's work to bring revelation. And he says this, When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So the Spirit will reveal to God's people, he says, all that's on God's heart, all that's on the Father's heart, all that's on Jesus' heart, and he's going to make that known to his people by his Spirit. 
I wonder what it was like to be in the disciples' shoes that day. What do you think it was like for them? I think they seemed actually not to really welcome what Jesus was telling them, even though they'd heard bits of it before, the bits we've just kind of tracked. You know, they'd been with him 24-7, hadn't they, for three years. And I imagine that the thought of him leaving them was really, really hard. You know, yes, he'd reassured them that the Holy Spirit was going to come, but, you know, they couldn't really understand that. And I imagine the thought of just losing Jesus would be absolutely horrendous. And I think that's understandable, isn't it? I wonder whether there's any of us who hasn't at some point said, I wish Jesus could just come and be with me in person so that I could talk to him, so that I could ask him these things. And then I'd be really clear. Has anyone ever thought that? Yes, because we have thought that, haven't we? Because we're humans and we think it would be so much easier if Jesus could be here in human form and we could talk to him. But you know, the truth is that we don't actually need Jesus now to be with us in bodily form. We have the Holy Spirit. And when we open ourselves to him, it's so much better than being with a human being. He can do so much through you. He can do things we haven't even mentioned yet. He can be with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. He can direct your thinking and your prayers. He can assure you that you belong to God. He can give you that assurance when you doubt. He can give you spiritual gifts that you need. He can empower you as you talk to others about your faith in Jesus. He can help you remember the truth about him. He can bring clarity for you. He can empower you as you pray for people for healing, for miracles. He can convict you of your need of him. And he can use you to convict others and to bring more of his kingdom into this world. And he can use you to bring revelation. Don't you find that exciting? He can do so much more than Jesus could do here on the earth, who could only be with a small group of people. He can be there for each one of us, enabling us. And I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to be full of the Holy Spirit and to be that vehicle for the Spirit to use? Are you willing? I know I am. And I think, looking at you, that lots of you are too. I think you are, and I think it's really exciting, but we do need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Two specific things I just want to um, cover and look at for us to apply to our lives this morning from that reading. The first thing is, will you be used by the Spirit for convicting the world where it's moved away from God's ideal, from God's plan? And I'm not talking about standing on a soapbox and telling the world they're damned or wearing one of those kind of horrid sandwich boards which has has a frightening message on. I'm not talking about that kind of thing at all, no. You know, there are plenty of people in this world who fight for the kinds of causes that are certainly prompted by God's spirit and where they turn things around for good, where maybe the enemy has taken things off on the wrong track. Martin Luther King, he removed racial discrimination, didn't he, from Afro, for Afro-Americans. Nelson Mandela, he fought against apartheid in South Africa. 
her. Florence Nightingale, she founded modern nursing, improved hospital care. Gladys Aylward, she was a missionary to China and she abolished foot binding. Corrie ten Boom, do you know her story? She was amazing. She took such risks in Holland in the war. She hid those Jews in her home when they were fearing for their lives. William Wilberforce, he abolished the British slave trade. All those people saw where things were wrong and prompted by God's spirit, I believe, they followed him and they did something to act against it. Closer to home, I don't know if you know about the work of care. They've been lobbying recently on behalf of marriage, working to keep the definition of marriage biblical in our land. They do an amazing work in all kinds of areas. And then there's Beesom and Cap and the Soup Kitchen and Choices, all those things that are run locally and serve to support those who are less empowered, those who are being treated in a way that God doesn't want. And, and, and those people who run those things can bring things back into line with God's ideal. If you have a passion, maybe you have a passion for the poor or the homeless in this country, or maybe abroad, the marginalized, maybe the care of the planet. Richard was pray, praying about that today, wasn't he? Maybe you have a passion for refugees or for the family, family breakdown. Whatever your passion is, the Holy Spirit is prompting that and enabling it and spurring you on, urging you on to take action and to convict the world or to be part of convicting the world and bring them back to God's way. So that's the first thing. We can be part of that, part of the Spirit's work as he convicts the world of where they've gone off track. And then the second thing that we can be used in that Jesus talks about in this passage is bringing revelation In Acts chapter 2, as I referred to earlier, Peter explains what is happening to those who were were being filled with the Spirit. And he reminds them of what the prophet Joel had prophesied. And I read this a bit earlier, but I'm going to read it again. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Revelation from God is about a situation or a person and it's spoken out or it's given in order to move a situation on. And you know, we can all receive that revelation and speak it out. And I want to ask you, the second thing today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to open yourself to God's spirit and receive that revelation from God and speak it out? It's for the strengthening and encouragement and comfort of God's people. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And I believe that this gift of prophecy or of revelation is one that we can all have and that we all need to be asking for. It's not scary, it's just the Lord speaking to you by his spirit and bringing revelation for other people or for the church. But we're always only looking to encourage and strengthen and comfort, just very briefly, and then we're going to invite the Lord to come. How do we hear God? How do we bring his revelation for other people or for the church? If we really want to do it, how will we listen? How will we hear God? You know, as we spend time with him, we hear him more. There's a little verse in John 10. It says that like the sheep 
recognizes the voice of the shepherd. That's what it's like for the sheep. They get to know him so well that they know his voice. It'll be the same for us. As we get to know God better, we will recognize his voice. And lots of you already, I know, are doing this. As we listen to God, sometimes we maybe get a a Bible verse or a passage. You know, the more we read our Bible every day as part of our daily routine, the more we have to draw on as we listen to God for others or for the church. Sometimes as we listen, we get a sense in our heart. You know, maybe we're just praying quietly and we just get a sense. That's often the Lord. That's often him speaking to us. So as we sense something, we need to ask for more. What are you saying here, Lord? You know, and, and is this encouraging? Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to move something on? If it is, it's probably a prophetic word from God. Sometimes you might get a mental picture as you're praying. Amos saw a plumb line, didn't he? And God told him that he was going to spare the people no longer. And then he asked for more and he, he saw a basket of fruit. And God said the time was ripe for Israel and he would spare them no longer. Sometimes as we pray, we get a kind of picture And we think, yes, Lord, what is that? Tell me more about it. And then he shows you what that picture is. Sometimes when we're listening for an individual, maybe we notice something, something strikes us. So maybe we notice a piece of jewelry that they're wearing or maybe we notice a a particular item of clothing. It might be the color or... And sometimes when when we notice something like that, we see with our own eyes, don't we? And we think maybe, well, I do. Oh, I wonder where she got that top from or, you know, that's, that's us seeing through our own eyes. That's not really God, probably. But, you know, if we look again... And we ask the Lord to show us through his eyes. He will often show us something that will strengthen or build up. Something from him, some revelation that will move something on for that person. And I think it's really exciting to listen to God. We want to hear his voice in our midst in this church, don't we? We want him to be here by his spirit. We want to know what he's saying to us as individuals and to us as a church. And if we're listening and if we're asking him to speak, then we're going to hear and we're going to be in that place where God wants us to be. And I think that's really exciting. If God shows you something, you need to speak it out because it will bless other people, it will bless the church, it will help to move things on. If you speak it out, you'll be encouraged as you minister to other people and as you minister in the church. And the other thing that will happen is that all of us will grow in this gift of revelation that Jesus is talking about and in hearing God's voice. We're going to we're going to pray in a moment, just very quickly. I remember many years ago now, I was at New Wine, and uh, Mark had just, my husband Mark, he's a senior pastor here, in case you don't know me, um, he was, um, he'd just taken over managing the, the summer conferences, and we were camping, we were, we were down at Shepton Mallet, and I had five little children, and he, every two minutes, he'd, or for the whole day actually, he would be going off, he'd be sorting things out all around the site and mobile phones had just come in and he, what he would do is he would go off and then he'd leave his mobile phone on the side because he wasn't used to it and every two minutes his phone would go and someone would be asking, do you know where Mark is? And I was trying to look after the five little children and I was trying to know where Mark was and tell everyone where he was and I was absolutely exhausted and hanging on by my fingertips, probably those of you who were there wouldn't have known that because I'm a good actress and I can hide how I'm feeling at times 
like lots of you. But you know, I, was in, I managed to find someone to look after the children one evening and I went to the celebration. And I was just at the end of the celebration during the ministry time. And um, one of the new I leadership who would not have had a clue about me, he never really saw me. I didn't go to any of the meetings. I was just in my tent changing nappies and, you know, making food. And um, he just came. He made his way from one end of the, um, of the room to the other. And he came over to me and he just laid his hand on me. And he says, Lindsay, the Lord wants you to know that he's seen you in your situation. He's heard your cry and he's going to restore to you a hundredfold for all that you're giving out right now makes me feel very moved actually and I was absolutely astounded I just I thought gosh God knows my situation he knows what I'm feeling and he sent that guy to come who wouldn't normally even have noticed me and he's come and he's heard the Lord for me and he's given me that word I'll never forget it it's just you know and that's happened to me lots of times that's just one story I could tell you lots you know, when somebody listens for you and it's very pertinent, why would you not want to share that word with them to encourage them and move them on? Why would you not? That's what I would say. Okay, so what I want us to do now is we're just going to take two or three minutes as we thought about and, 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 and heard about listening to the Lord. There's no time like the present. In a minute, we're going to invite the Spirit to come. But just for a few moments now, I would love us just to sit quietly, get comfortable. And I'm going to invite you just to listen to the Lord. Now, some of you might want to close your eyes. And, you know, God often speaks to us in that way, doesn't he? Some of you might want to have your eyes open because you might want to just have a little look around.